Hello and welcome to FDTV. We are back again with another weekly episode of our podcast. I'm your host Ali and I'm joined once again with my friend Jawad who is my fellow co-host. So Jawad, how is life treating you? Well, the COVID thing is causing a bit of an issue across Pakistan. It's something which we are all having to deal with, but nothing is stopping football from going full speed uh, full speed ahead. It's been Absolutely. a brilliant weekend of football international at that. Though we missed out on some domestic football, but international football did not disappoint this time. So, hey, True. let's get into the topics. What are we starting off with, Ali? I will drift off away from uh, the international football side of things right now. I want to talk about one of the legends of the Premier League, Sergio Cunagüero. Uh, 257 goals and 384 appearances for Man City in all competitions. Highest scoring overseas striker in English football history. 12 hat tricks, four more than Harry Kane, double that of Luis Suarez, wow. and also four Premier League titles in his bag, a number of FA Cups and League Cups as well. Uh, the legend is the perfect word to describe this Argentinian. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Sergio Aguero, who is also getting a statue outside of Etihad Stadium? He is one of the best pure strikers in the history of the game, not just in Premier True. League in the game. The guy from the day he joined from Atleti to Man City changed the Etihad. He helped them win with his winning goal nonetheless in the last match of the season. He helped Man City conquer the Premier League title. So the guy etched True. his name in history from the very first season he's joined at Manchester City. It's been 10 years now and he has shown no signs of slowing down. Only he's been hampered by injuries and that's it. If he wasn't injured for the last two seasons, I don't think he would be leaving as of right now, but Man City is moving past him and it's good to see a club and a player mutually deciding that it's not beneficial for them to carry on any longer and parting ways in a respectful manner like you said with a statue that's going to be put up next to the Etihad. It's absolutely lovely oh. to hear. The guy is an absolute legend for City. The all-time top scorer for City, not just the Premier League, he is the all-time top scorer for City. He's about 90 Obviously. goals ahead of the last guy and he huh. is uh, yeah. bar none in competition, been lethal in front of goal. Do you think Man City will miss him after he's gone? Absolutely. Uh they have let go of David Silva, Yaya Toure, James Milner and now Sergio Aguero. So the backbone that started everything, that started the winning run for Man City to put them on the same pedestal as Manchester United is now slowly fading away from the club. So it's difficult for any football fan of the Premier League to see uh, Aguero go away and me even as a Manchester United fan loved his uh, iconic goal against QPR in 2012 that gave the first title to Man City under Roberto Mancini mm-hmm. that is forever an iconic moment and i think this is the right time for Aguero to move on although i can i still think he can do a job right now if he stays fit at a less demanding league so that is exactly uh, actually my next question for you uh, do you think he can still do a, to- a job for a top club and what destination would you prefer for Aguero Now I think he is going to be more suited to a league such as the Serie A or even the French right. league for that matter, right? I don't see him performing well in the physically demanding league that is the Bundesliga. And not for that matter, I don't think he can go back to Atleti and do what he was doing. And not that those clubs require him at the moment. Clubs in Italian football, clubs in French football 
would be of great use. He would be a great asset to them. He would be a player who can actually come in and do the job. Now, he's not that old. Players older than him are doing crazy amount of feats, crazy amount of skills, exactly. crazy amount of goals. Just look at my club and Zlatan. The guy at almost 40 years old is making more than one goal contribution a game in this season's league league run. So it's right. not to say that he is past his prime. It's just that a club at the stature of Man City cannot afford to lose pace and lose a player such as his importance for a long period of time like they had to deal with this season and last season due to his injuries. So I think that's the only reason he's leaving. And if he right. goes to a club where he's playing kind of a double double role where he is the main striker, but he's also the backup for a young up-and-coming guy, I think someone learning under his wing would be an ideal situation. So, uh, yeah, I, I think someone of the likes of Duzan Vlahovic would learn greatly under him. He's the Florentina striker. I think he's got over two digits in goals this season for Fiorentina. Though Fiorentina is struggling, the guy has been tremendous. So him learning under the likes of Aguero would be brilliant. Right? So I feel like young player learning under him is the way to go. And they can use him interchangeably with a young striker. And players in uh, like clubs in Italy would, would be of great benefit to him. Same thing goes for French football. Where do you see him going? I think Aguero can do a job for your team, AC Milan. When Zlatan leaves, <laughs> I think Aguero is not a bad replacement for the man himself. And uh, if you bring in a striker from the Milan youth team into the first team, I think Aguero is the perfect option to learn from. And his goal numbers is the best in Premier League. 108 minutes for every goal scored. That is the best record and that is uh, very better than Harry Kane, the guy who, has, who is the most coveted striker in Premier League right now. So Aguero will for AC Milan, I would love to see him in that jersey. Uh, would you take him? So I, I would love to take him. Here's the thing though. Aguero and Zlatan are two very different type of players. Just look at the height difference there, right? So I feel like him coming in and replacing Zlatan, we would be having to play a completely different style of football. Whereas Zlatan is known to play his back against the ball, Aguero runs into spaces. He creates spaces right. for himself. And with his injury, his main style of play is kind of hampered at the moment. So I, though I would love to see, he is one of my favorite players. Right, so I would love to see him in a Milan jersey. I don't see it happening. I don't think it is a tactically good decision for Milan to make because the strikers that we are going for is the traditional target man and Aguero is anything but a traditional target man. He's a player who's going to run into spaces. He's going he's gonna to be a player who brings other people in and he plays with pace. That That's the game, right? Whereas Latan or a target man traditional, like even Vlahovic, I was talking about him, Players such as him, they pay, play with the back against the ball. He's more a... Romelu Lukaku comes to mind when I talk about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He is the ideal player who Zlatan could be replaced with. But obviously, he's playing for the opposite side. He's playing for the hated city of Inter Milan. So, yeah, yeah. Aguero would, would be a good fit for any side at the moment. I do agree with that. But I feel like he is better suited to a different club, not at Milan. Right. And coming back to the Man City situation, uh, they have to play, uh, replace a player of Aguero's caliber, who is also the spearhead of their attack for the past seven or eight seasons. Now, my thing is that they wanted Haaland, and Borussia Dortmund have quoted a price of 180 million, 
which is outrageous right now. Secondly, uh, the agent of uh, Haaland is Mino Raiola, who has a lot of uh, feud going on with Pep Guardiola. So, what do you think? Uh, will Haaland be going to City or the Raiola thing completely cuts off the deal? Pay the money. The guy's worth <laughs> it. <laughs> right. So, here's the thing. Raiola is one of those guys who you cannot help but admire. He does his best to get paid and get his players paid. And so far, <laughs> he hasn't had a bad record on his record book. I don't think he's done a transfer which has hurt the players such as other uh, other agents have. So, Raiola is actually shopping around as of right now. He is offering Haaland to the likes of United, to the likes of City, even Chelsea at that matter, right? So, all Premier League clubs are looking for a striker. Haaland is going to be linked with them. But I feel like Haaland is ideally the type of player that Guardiola is not suited for. I think Harry Kane is more the type of player that Guardiola would like to play with. He's the type of player that will listen to what Haaland... Uh, so, sorry. He would listen to what Guardiola is saying. So, I would actually take Harry Kane over Haaland at Manchester City. And I've heard a few rumors which are stating that Kane might be leaving Tottenham at the end of the season and City is a destination in mind for him. So, I feel like over Haaland, Kane is the ideal fit for the City setup. And Haaland might be better off going to somewhere else, though he might be tempted by the manager that's known as Pep Guardiola, the greatest manager of all time. What do you think? He's the kind of player that will elevate any side in world football. And you're essentially paying for the next decade of Super Messi in the striking position mm -hmm. for Haaland. Harry Kane said recently in an interview that he will decide his future after the Euros of 2021. He is a very good option for Guardiola and Guardiola have praised him openly in press conferences in the past. Kane to City makes more sense than Haaland to City, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Absolutely agree. So, yeah, I, I think if City are to go for a striker, Kane is the obvious target that's going to fit into the style of play that Guardiola likes to play. Haaland is not the type of player that's going to be doing what Guardiola would want. So, I feel like that that's where the play is at. And Haaland might end up going to somewhere else. Now, obviously, I would love him to join AC Milan to replace Latan Ibrahimovic. That's not going to happen. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Nope. But hey, one can wish. So, talking cool. about the Euros and Harry Kane, let's move on. Who, who do you think is the favorite for Euros this season? Wow. Uh, I recently made a video on how England should set up so they can challenge for the Euros. You can, guys can check it out on our YouTube channel. Uh, me, as a football fan, was having a hard time picking out the squad out of the current crop of English players. So I can only imagine the manager's job at France, England, Spain and Belgium to pick out the best 11. It's a tough thing. But considering all the positions on the football pitch, it is hard to argue against France. They are laid out in every footballing position. And they have a coach who has a good relationship with all the players who represented the country in the World Cup. So France are my favorites, but I do hope that Portugal do something. What are your thoughts on it? You're absolutely right in saying France is absolutely stacked. Every single position, they got backups and then they got backups of backups. right? So France <laughs> yes. is absolutely stacked. And at this time, betting against France would be a stupid bet. But here, here's me being stupid. Football's coming home. England is the favorite. Bookies are saying it. 
Everyone is saying it. And I'm one of those guys that, hey, they beat 5-0, 5-0, 5-0. And every time it happens, I hear me hoping that England take it home. But yeah, that, that's my pick. I feel like England can do the job. It's been ages since something like that has happened. So it's finally time for England to show up or shut up. Right. So Gareth Southgate, okay. even though I don't think he is one of the greatest managers or one of the best managers even right now, I, I still feel like he's got a pretty good handle over the English squad. And with the talent, specifically the attacking talent that England's got, they, they should right. be a difficult team to play against uh, at their time. So my pick is definitely England. Now, who's your dark horse for, for this tournament? I have to go with Croatia again. Oh. Okay. They, Luka Modric is still performing like an elite level midfielder for Real Madrid. Uh, Kovacic has been one of Chelsea's best midfielder for the past two seasons alongside Kante. Um, Rakitic has been brilliant for Sevilla, uh, took them to the Europa League final. So it's hard to argue against Croatia and the manager and the defense and the whole setup at Croatian camp is looking very good. Again, I know they lost uh, by huge margins in the last couple of years to Spain, Argentina and France, but I think they can be a dark horse and I see them going uh, at least to a semi-final. Right, so here's my dark horse pick. Surprise, surprise is Italy. <laughs> so <laughs> the reason I go for Italy is simple. The team has been the most consistent team in the tournament so far, right? So if you look at even World Cup qualifiers, the ones that were played out this weekend, Italy was the team that was actually very, very consistent. Otherwise, you were seeing surprise results here and there. But Italy has slowly been putting together a track record at under Mancini. They have been performing brilliantly. The guy has managed to put the embarrassment of last year, last time's World Cup behind them. And if you really want to know a little bit more about what happened with Italy and what's to come, look out for the video that's going to be coming out to the channel, looking into in-depth detail of how Mancini changed Italian football and brought the Italian national team from the embarrassment of World Cup to a back again one of the dark horses, like I said, to win, win it all. So, yeah, I feel like Italy might do the job. They've got a brilliant midfield. They've got players such as Barella. The guy is an absolute True. engine. The midfield that Italy's got is absolutely uh, probably one of the best midfields in the tournament right now. They also had exactly. Sensi back. So Sensi is playing in there as well. So a brilliant uh, mix of youth and experience in there. We, we've got Chiellini, Banucci in there as well. So the backbone is still there. But the youth that's coming in, Chiesa, that the guy is doing the job for Juventus. And I feel like he'll do the same. So Italy is my pick for the dark horses. I feel like they might do a good job. Look out for the video as well if you want to know a little bit more about how they're going to set up and how True. Mancini is able to change from what was an embarrassment to something considered of a dark horse right now. Right. So I would like to add something to your point. Uh, mm -hmm. Imagine a double pivot of Locatelli and Barella and Zaniolo is in front of them. Uh, Chiesa <laughs> is on the right wing. Bernadeschi is also playing and a good striker. And they Immobile. have a lot of good strikers right now. Immobile can do a job right now. So Italy are a very good shout for a dark, dark horse. Uh, but I do think they, I see them playing a quarterfinal at least. Yeah, for sure. They're going to have a deep run into the game, into the tournament. And I feel like they might even take it all. That's why I'm saying that the dark horses. Now, obviously, the striking position is the big question mark. Immobile has always been brilliant for Lazio, but he hasn't been so brilliant for the Azuris. 
So that, that's my question. Who's going to score the goals? They've got the playmakers. They've got the players running around, making the runs, putting the balls into the box. Do they have a finisher right now? They've got Bellotti. They've got Immobile. So they've got talented players on the squad. It's just a matter of fact of can they put it all together. That's why it's my dark horse and not my pick. Because I feel like England is more True. of a complete team at the moment, right? So Italy's exactly. got the brilliant midfield. But yeah, even your pick, Portugal, they've got a better squad, I feel like, right now with one of the greatest players playing all time. So yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Do you think Portugal would be able to retain the title this season? I might uh, get a lot of hate for this particular thing that I'm about to say. But I think the only thing holding Portugal's side back is their manager. He plays oh, okay. in a certain way for the past decade. And even in the Euros, which was a fluke win against a very good France team, I don't think he has changed one bit. He does not pick the best squad that is available to him. Always goes with the same reliable options. And his attacking side of things are not as tactical as I would like to be. Uh, even if uh, a manager like uh, Jose Mourinho or Allegri were in charge of Portugal, we would see much more dominance from the national team that we see right now. But Ronaldo, Bernardo Silva, uh, João Felix, Ander Silva, Bruno Fernandes in the midfield along with Ruben Neves, you cannot take this team out of your uh, favourites to win the tournament. I think that it will be uh, France and Portugal final again. So, are you going to go with Ronaldo retaining it one more time? Absolutely. I have, I have my faith in the number seven man. All right. So, here's my, my thing. I want to think about that a little bit. Ronaldo is starting to show frustrations. His free kicks are always hitting the wall, not the target. So, do you think it's time for Ronaldo to pass the ball on free kicks to Bruno Fernandes, who's been doing brilliantly well for United? To that point, I would say whenever I'm fighting a Messi fan or a fanboy of Lionel Messi, uh, on Twitter, they always bring this point up. And my reply is that, okay, Messi scored against Huesca, Valladolid, or Sevilla, but Ronaldo scored against Spain, Switzerland, Sweden, Roma. <laughs> the, the important free kicks are always going in for Ronaldo. So I cannot, that's the X factor that he provides. I cannot take Ronaldo off free kicks just, just because of respect. Just because, I, I agree with that. The guy has done like stunning features from free kicks. But isn't Bruno Fernandes doing a better job at free kicks right now? That That's my question. If you get an average of three free kicks in a match, I would give one to Bruno as well. Okay. Absolutely. All right. I agree. All right. All right. That, that was my question. I feel like Ronaldo with the tantrums he threw. What did you think of that? Throwing the armband to the floor after like last minute. So uh, that was absolute travesty. Not having goal line technology in a World Cup qualifier match. It was absolutely true horrible not seeing that goal being given clearly bought the ball crossed the line that was a goal that was the winner Ronaldo was rightly frustrated but is it a sign of disrespect showing the like throwing the captain's armband to the floor like that I would uh, give the same answer as uh, Stevie Nichol from ESPN uh -huh. uh, he, I think Ronaldo was so frustrated that he pulled out the only thing he could throw <laughs> away in frustration and that was his captain's armband the first thing he could, he could obviously yeah, the first thing he could find, he got his hands on, he just threw it away. I don't think it, it's disrespectful. We all know how much he loves Portugal. And the goal that was not given was pretty disappointing. Imagine if this was an official match at the World Cup or the Euros. How bad would that be? And I think it, it will actually uh, push FIFA and UEFA to actually push FIFA uh, to 
involve the Golan technology in even in the qualifiers. It's I a think. travesty. It's a travesty not having technology when it's clearly available, not uh, having to use that, and having the team cost to win right at the death of the match as well, nonetheless. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Ronaldo was frustrated and rightly so. And I feel like that goal was going in and that should have been given. And I, if I, it was me, I would have thrown the same thing. I would have done the same thing. I probably would have kicked the freaking goalpost for that, right? So <laughs> I agree with Ronaldo's frustration there. Right. And I have another question about for you uh, regarding the Euros. Mm-hmm. We see that Germany have been in kind of a slump lately mm-hmm. with the kind of performances they have shown at the big tournaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and also Belgium. They have a very average manager in Roberto Martinez who mm-hmm. used to coach Wigan Athletic. So, do you think that uh, those managers will be again failing at this tournament as well? So, Belgium is time to show up, right? So, Belgium is ranked the number one team in world football right now. And looking at their squad, rightly so, right? They've got probably one of the most informed strikers right now on their squad in Romelu Lukaku, right? So, the team is all engines go, right? And if this fail to win this season i feel like that that's the last time we're going to see the golden so-called golden generation of belgium taking place right so i think this might be the last opportunity they have to do something whereas when we talk about germany they have a non-stop supply of great footballers right they have players right. stacked like right now the inform guy thomas muller oh my god he's trying to break right. record after record of assist he he Absolutely. is Germany at this moment and I'm forgetting Kimmich. his name. Kimmich. Absolutely Kimmich, right? Future captain of Germany, mark my, mark my words. Kimmich has been tremendous for Bayern Munich and he can, like Pep Guardiola predicted, he can play literally any position in world football and in the match, he can play the left back, he can play the midfield, he can even play the attacking midfield. But as the deep-lying string puller of Germany, Kimmich and Muller would be a lethal combination and Germany, with an ever-rising stock in the way the football is going, they have a good shout as well. But I don't think they have what it takes right now to beat the likes of France, England, and even Portugal for that matter. So, let's move on to our last topic for today. And that is something that was pitched in by Platini, who was the UEFA president at that time. Mm-hmm. FIFA president at that time, uh, he pitched the idea of Benediga in 2008. So, for the viewers out there, explain what is Benalika and do you think it's a bad idea or a good idea? So, it's basically two leagues combining. So, this is the first time it's going to happen where two cross-country leagues are going to be combining. Nothing is confirmed as of yet, but it is going to be the Belgium League against the Netherlands League, right? So, it's the Dutch League. Yeah. That's where the title comes in. BN as in Belgium and NL as in Netherlands. Benalika, right? So you're probably going to have the likes of Ajax playing against Anderlecht. So I feel like in terms of competition's sake, it's a very, very good idea. But then there's a lot of complications that go alongside with it. Do you agree yes. with the idea of Benaliga? I think it's just a waste of time. It's just something too outrageous to be true. Uh, Dutch League on its own produces a lot of young talent. Combining it with a different setup as Belgium... Uh, the two leagues uh, operate in a completely different manner and the intensity of football is completely different as well. Uh, the Dutch league is far more competitive than the Belgian league. So, I think you should let them be and this idea should go back right in the bin. No, but here's my devil's advocate argument against this. Benaliga combined, I agree with you that Dutch football is ahead at right now from Belgian football. Right? So, I agree with you there. 
but it's still behind the French League, Ligue 1. It's still behind the top four leagues. Do you think a combination of these two leagues together can overtake Ligue 1? Do you think that's possible? Can they crack the top five in Europe? Uh, not for the next two decades at least. Right, so you think Ajax... I, I, I love Ajax as a footballing club. They are an absolute institute of football, right? So I, I think it's a good... I, I'm, I'm actually for it. That's my argument. I'm for Benaliga. I feel like it's a very good idea where you're having two underrated clubs, oh, sorry, two underrated leagues combining together to essentially create a super league per se. We're not going to get the super right. league that we were thinking about, but we might get Benaliga and it's a good way to keep competition fresh. Now, the only arguments against I have for this is how many European sports does the league in total get? And do the teams agree with it? As of right now, 23 teams, I think, have agreed to the idea of creating the Benaliga. So it's starting to come more and more in fruition that this is going to be a possibility, right? But what happens to the European sport? Now we got it in an all-new Confederation Cup conference. Uh, what's it called? The third tier of uh, European football. I think it is called the Conference Cup, right? So you've got yes. the UEFA Champions League, you got the Europa League, and you got the Conference League now. Right, so these three different competitions, how many spots go to these Spanish Liga teams? I think right now they occupy about five European exactly. spots amongst them, maybe six, I'm not sure. Right. So like what happens to those European spots? Do like do they shrink them and take take them down to three in, in line with Liga? Or does it go to four or five even, right? The only league to have I think five. I don't think any league has five participating in the Champions League. Even the Premier League has only four. Right, so that's my argument against it. I think it's a good fate of show. Like, imagine Celtic joining or Rangers joining Premier League. That would only make the Premier League better. Not that the Premier League needs them. It would increase the competition in Scottish football. It might destroy the rest of Scottish football, but it will give the benefit to Scottish, uh, Celtic and Rangers. Same thing happens if uh, Benaliga is to be coming into place. The big clubs will definitely benefit. But what happens yeah, to the true. lower club? So that that's what's happening right now, cross football. And uh, there there are a few other topics that we will talk about on the next episode of the podcast. But I feel like, to me, the negatives are not outweighing the positives. So I would go right. for a yes on Benaliga. I know that you're not for this idea, right? It's been a brilliant episode and a look back of FTTV football podcast, right? So we really loved you guys joining us. It's been a tremendous few months of your guys' consistent support, viewing our viewing our podcast, giving us likes, giving us comments, and even people from out in the UK downloading our podcast. That was absolutely stunning to look at. So we are growing. We would love your support. Please like and subscribe. Make sure to leave a comment if you disagree or agree with something. And keep watching. Keep balling. FDTV out.